Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. It's the 12th of February. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to rise and shine. Um, Okay, so last night in the New Hampshire primary, in case you haven't heard yet, um, Bernie emerged as the big winner, which I think if we were to look back in time and see just how um, evenly divided we expected New Hampshire to be a number of months ago between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, and we recognize that Warren finished fourth last night, um, that's probably a significant conversation to have in terms of the way Bernie is surging. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, came in second in last night's race. So they will uh, both have delegates out of this. Amy Klobuchar will also have delegates out of this contest. That's, a, uh, I would say, a significant showing for her. Uh, and so my guess is um, lots of people Googled Amy Klobuchar last night because across the country it may have been, for many people, the first time they really heard her name in a significant way. So we'll see how that pans out. For those of you uh, who are listening to us in Minnesota, that's a name that is familiar to you. Hopefully her policies are familiar to you as well. And as we engage in the conversation about who the Democratic nominee may be going forward, um, she appears to be the female front runner in terms of this, uh, this interesting, very interesting group of candidates. Elizabeth Warren um, certainly can't see fourth as uh, as good for her in terms of a neighboring state. And Joe Biden, former vice president of the United States, certainly going into this, the person with the greatest name recognition. Um, he actually left for South Carolina before the polls closed yesterday in New Hampshire. That is probably all you need to know about that. And then um, this is really, last night really serves as what I'll just describe as kind of the end of a dream for a couple of the candidates on the Democrat side of the aisle, Senator Michael Bennett and Andrew Yang both left the race last night. Um, and so I just want to settle there for just a moment. Uh, have you ever been where they are? I mean, not in terms of, you know, did you run for president and fail? But have you ever been where they are in terms of getting to the place where you just recognize that the dream that you dreamed is not shared by a significant number of people that it's really going to go forward? Maybe it was, you know, your big entrepreneurial idea. Maybe it was um, the thing in the world that you set out to change, to make different. And there just weren't enough other people who got on board with you fast enough with enough energy and resources to actually make it happen. And you found yourself at some point having to concede the dream, at least for a season. Have you been there? I mean, I've been there. Grief, frustration, anger, hurt, disappointment, sometimes blame. But then you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Am I going to get up the next day? Am I going to recognize that God has a future filled with hope planned for me? Am I going to embrace whatever vision it is, whatever opportunity comes my way? Am I going to collaborate with others? Am I going to find friends who um, share my you know, world change-making 
desire? And then am I going to have the the right perspective on all of it? Am I going to trust and obey and cooperate with the Holy Spirit? Am I going to recognize that you know, God is still God and I am still his, right? He's got the whole world in his hands, which includes you today. We'll let that be our comfort as we consider um, all that's going on in the world today. All right, next up, I've got Mark Melton. He's waiting in the wings right now, managing editor of Providence Magazine. He and I are going to um, but we're going to lead off with a conversation, really tragic story out of um, out of Pakistan. I just want you to ask yourself for just a moment: Do you actually think religious liberty is a universal human right? Religious liberty is, um, you know, sort of the very first human right. Like, right, Adam and Eve in the garden. What's the very first choice they get to make? Whether or not they are going to believe that God is God. That is a religious liberty. <laughs> That's sort of the greatest moment of religious liberty, right? And every human being. Um, is free at the level of their own conscience to believe or not to believe. But in in Pakistan, if you are a Christian, um, this is an interesting, uh, well, there's an interesting outcome in a case there that we're going to talk about next. Imagine you're 14, you're a girl, um, you're kidnapped because you're a Christian. And the court now says that your case isn't even worth consideration because after all, you're not because you're a Christian considered to be a citizen worthy of the Constitution. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Mark Melton from Providence Magazine. Mark, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We're delighted. Um, all right. So why don't you tell us this story of this um, Pakistani Christian teenager. She's 14. Um, why don't you tell, tell us her story? Well, uh, Huma Yunus, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, yeah, 14 years old, was kidnapped out of her house out of Karachi and was transported about, what, 300, 400 miles away from her home and forced to be in a marriage with uh, a man and forced to, uh, you know, convert. And uh, um, her parents have been trying to rescue her. And the court came out recently. There was a law that would, uh, you know, possibly help the family retrieve her daughter and kind of nullify the marriage, but the court ruled recently that the marriage was valid, and uh, so she is still stuck in this relationship. And the and ruling, yeah, and the ruling is based on Islamic Sharia law, um, which says that men in Pakistan can marry underage girls as long as, um, you know, as long as those girls are considered physically um, women. Um, and then the court, you know, the court says we're unable to treat Christians as Pakistani citizens. I mean, I, I got to tell you that if if we're going to live in a world where some group of people says that, you know, abortion is uh, is a universal human right. And we're also going to live in a world where some country can say that because you're a Christian, you don't have any rights. I mean, I, I got to tell you, this is a this is a moment of great disturbance for me. And I mean, it should be. I mean, we are built to have like the image of God within us. And so when we see that the image of God is being disrespected and, uh, you know, damaged by other people, then that should tear on our hearts and souls. So can you um, 
can you tell us what you know about um, about Pakistan? I mean, you know, I'll just admit to you, we can't keep our eye on the ball on everything going on internationally. So there's sometimes that we lose sight of, um, you know, we 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 might just forget uh, from time to time what kind of government a particular country has. Or so so Pakistan's not a democracy. Am I right about that? It is. Uh, I don't quite remember what uh, Freedom House has them ranked as, but there are definitely not going to be ranked as a very free country. So yeah. the uh, and uh, at the same time, we still have a complicated relationship with Pakistan on a geopolitical level. And, uh, you know, China is starting to move into the country a bit more with their Belt and Road Initiative, trying to. Uh, uh, you know, build more infrastructure getting through the country to kind of connect that part of China to with the Indian Ocean. And it's also like when we want to uh, move it, equipment in and out of Afghanistan, we used to do it through or, you know, you know doing it through Pakistan. And so, you know, if we want to be doing operations in Afghanistan, we have to worry about Pakistan as well. Such a complicated part of the world. I'm, I'm glad you brought up China. Um, because I feel like China is related to this story that is now just sort of coming together. The Philippines apparently says that they're ending U.S. military agreement in favor of China. You might have to walk us back historically, but I feel like um, we need our relationship with the Philippines in terms of U.S. military presence because we need, uh, I don't know, a, a point from which we could, if necessary, engage uh, that which is west of the Philippines. <laughs> I mean, nice way of saying it. So talk with us about this in terms of a strategic conversation and what does it mean for the Philippines to be pivoting from a military relationship with the United States to a military relationship with China? Right. So the uh, obviously geographically Philippines is going to be closer to China and it's next to the South China Sea where I think what one third of global trade goes through. So even if it's not close to the United States mainland, that is still going to be a war in that area or a conflict in that area could affect global trade, which would affect our, you know, of regular Americans pocketbooks. And the and so part of this announcement is actually interesting because right now the Philippines announced that they are going to pull out of the uh, visiting forces agreement and they're going to have 180 days before that officially goes into effect and that would prevent if it goes into effect it would prevent American and you know sailors Marines and whatnot going into the country and being able to train um, do counter insurgent or counter terrorism operations and it's this agreement's been seen as a way for China, or excuse me, the way for the Philippines and the United States to show a united front against China. And there's kind of, you know, when I was looking into this, there seems to be a bit of debate over what is actually, you know, Duterte's motivation here. Is he trying to get Donald Trump to do something about one of his political allies being placed on a sanctions list, or is he actually trying to pivot? And I think, you know, at the end of 180 days, we might see what are they actually trying to do here. Yeah, um, he seems a little bit unpredictable, their, um, <clears throat> their leader, um, but he, he definitely seems committed to a pivot away from us and the way we think about things. Um, you know, if nothing else. All right. Hey, Mark, you and I got to take a quick break. Um, we're going to stay focused on that part of the world, uh, though, and we're going to we're going to continue our conversation 
Um, and we're going to focus a little more closely in on China and the continuing human rights abuses there uh, in that country. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. Mark Melton, Managing Editor of Providence Magazine, is my guest. We'll be right back. So I'm talking with Mark Melton. If you haven't visited recently, please check out everything that's posted at ProvidenceMag.com, ProvidenceMag.com. If you're going to scroll through the headlines there, there's a couple that we're not going to talk about today that I absolutely think everybody should read. How Christians Should Respond to the Global Decline in Democracy is a piece that was just posted on the 10th of February. Um, I highly recommend that to you. And then Tom Farr, who's been on the program before, he has a piece posted right now at ProvidenceMag.com. Um, entitled Christian Reasons for Religious Liberty. I view that as a must-read as well. Lots of great stuff. Uh, Mark and I are now going to talk about a couple of other articles posted here. Mark, um, I know that when we talk about human rights and religious liberty, maybe at the top of the list of concern in terms of countries that have um, particularly egregious uh, practices would be China. Talk with us about um, countering China on human rights and religious liberty. Well, China is a it's a tough case because we are, you know, even though the United States is incredibly powerful, we have very limited options to force China to change its behavior. And so it may be a situation of like slowly trying to, uh, you know, convince the Chinese people themselves to you know, support the human rights initiatives that we consider most important, like religious liberty. But China is also a, bad, or a very difficult case because they're exporting their way of oppression to other countries, and uh, they're expanding their influence through Belt and Road and through other initiatives. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, so for some of the things that they're doing, obviously the re-education camps with the Uyghur Muslims is very, very problematic. It's going to be something I think we're going to be talking about for generations. And, uh, you know, for Christians, you know, uh, Travis Rousseau has written for Providence multiple times about, uh, you know, the, what the you know, Chinese government has done to Christians there. Um, I just noticed recently that there were reports about the uh, state-sanctioned churches having to take down, you know, quotes about uh, or take down some of the Ten Commandments and put up the quotes about um, with you know Xi's. Featuring At least Xi that's Jinping. what Fox News was reporting, <laughs> right? And yeah, so. So there's all these reports coming out, and uh, you know I can't verify all of them, and it's it's very difficult. It, it, you know, it, one of the things I remember Travis Rousseau was talking about during his uh, talk at our National Security Conference here in Washington D.C. last year was that several years ago the missionaries um, out of the Southern Baptists were telling his organization that things were getting better for Christians there, and that starting a few years ago they stopped kind of saying that, and so that's one source where you know kind of hearing it from the horse's mouth of what's going on in that country it's uh it's a troubling trend right now yeah and it's not just christians right i mean we we just recognize that the chinese are interested in destroying any sort of um commitment to faith uh any any sort of religious commitment um that's that at any way sets itself up in opposition to the state the state there is you know is religion and so i just think that we need to continue to be mindful of that um and uh, you know, I think there are times, Mark, that we imagine that people everywhere are just like us and people everywhere are not just like us because they haven't been raised to think in the ways in which we've been raised to think. And so um, I always appreciate that you guys highlight how people are thinking in other parts of the world um, because it helps us consider how we might 
engage not only prayerfully, but uh, in terms of our own advocacy and understanding what our country is doing in relationship to those nations. Let's um, let's talk about this piece about uh, the Brits and their advocacy for persecuted Christians. I'm looking at the Providence Magazine website, providencemag.com, uh, Britain moles advocacy for uh, persecuted Christians. Tell us what's going on there. Well, this is an interesting piece. So earlier last year, we had the then secretary or foreign secretary, Jeremy Hunt, kind of head up this uh, Mount Stephen report, kind of detailing how should the uh, you know British government deal with religious persecution overseas and also Christian persecution or and their religious liberty issues. And then Boris Johnson, when he uh, won his reelection, he gave a Christmas message last year. Actually, let me rephrase it. Before that, he tweeted out that, you know, if I am fortunate enough to become prime minister, I will prioritize protecting religious freedom and stand up for those facing persecution. And so part of this focus has shifted to uh, looking at how Christians have been discriminated against, and they looked at how aid to Iraqi Christians because you know they're trying, like the UN has been trying not to do um, targeted, uh, you know, relief based on you know religious beliefs. Uh, a lot of Iraqi Christians have been left out, and I'm. You know, maybe your guests have already learned about this, but um, in the article, it kind of explains that a little bit more. But that's one issue that they're going to look at. But uh, and another thing is that the uh, Foreign and Commonwealth Office, they found that there wasn't enough religious literacy where people actually understood about you know basics about the religion. And so that's one of the initiatives that they promoted is the idea of actually teaching their staff, like, what is it? What do these people actually believe? How is it different? And how does that affect their, uh, you know? you know, what happens in that part of the world. Yeah. um, If you're listening right now, you will remember guests that we've had on from Iraqi Christian Relief Council. You'll remember our guest yesterday um, who is in Erbil doing um, food distribution and other uh, other kinds of relief efforts with the Free Burma Rangers. Um, We are concerned about our brothers and sisters in who are living displaced, not only in Iraq and Syria, um, but living then as refugees across the border because of uh, of, of having been driven from their homes. Um, we have talked here about uh, about the Nineveh Plain and those projects for rebuilding there. So um, thank you uh, again, Mark, for just continuing to keep us mindful. It, it's really difficult. I know you're, I know that you probably feel this as well. There's just so much going on in the world um, and that we as Christians desperately want to be concerned about. Uh, and so we rely on guys like you and organizations like Providence to to keep us aware um, and to put us in touch with the people that are really doing the deep, faithful thinking, um, you know, on these matters. So Mark Melton, managing editor of Providence Magazine. Again, you guys can go to ProvidenceMag.com. Lots of good resources there. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Mark. We'll be right back. All right, so here is a bit of news for you. Uh, The Westminster Kennel Club dog show has taken place. I don't know what it says that we don't know. We like fewer and fewer people watch these. But um, we were talking about this as a family because, you know, we love dogs. And uh, and we know what real dogs look like and what real dogs act like. And when this ridiculous poodle won, having obviously not groomed herself, um. Having obviously spent a lot of time in the salon under what, for those of us who ever go to the salon know, must have been excruciating. Um, 
one of the uh, young people in my house said, that is not a dog, that is a show pony. And so uh, I, I lift this up today simply to say, um, let your dog be a dog. And you and, and I, let's be what we are called to be. Let's, let's be the image bearers of, uh, of, of the Lord our God. Um, and let's not be show ponies, like, right? Let's be people who authentically bear out the gospel in our lives. So a couple of, uh, of authentic friends, fellow Christians, Seth and Nerva, you know their music. You know them as worship leaders and song leaders. They have a new project. It's called One Voice. So next up, I have got... Seth and Nerva on their new project, One Voice. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. What does your teen's room look like right now? Like a bomb hit it, right? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I often meet parents who are adamant about their teen having a tidy room and a perfectly made bed. They demand a spotless household while the relationships are in shambles. Our homes are a reflection of who we really are. And our cleanliness standards reflect what we want for our kids. But a sterile home sometimes houses sterile relationships. Do you need to make some priority adjustments today? Maybe you can lighten up a bit and quit riding your teen over his or her room. It'll create an atmosphere of rest for the whole family, even though your teen's room is still a disaster. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. Seth and Nerva Reddy are, um, I don't know, I'm just going to describe them as a very powerful Christian couple who are using the gifts and tools that God's given them, particularly those gifts related to worship leadership, singing, songwriting, um, to really serve and encourage the church. And, and they really want to take part in the what I'm hoping is revival, certainly the renewal of the church. They, uh, they believe that the Bible is central to that conversation. Uh, and I'm excited to have them here today to talk about their new project, which is One Voice. Seth and Nerva, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. It's such an honor. Oh, it's a it's a privilege to be with you guys. I um I have uh, sat under your worship leadership on occasion, and I genuinely appreciate um the the way in which you draw people into the presence of the living God through, um, through your work. Uh, and that is, that is providing a gateway to worship for the rest of us. So let's talk about this, um, one voice project. Um, Seth, what's the, uh, what's the inspiration or motivation for this particular project? Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Carmen, and thanks for having us on the show. We've been following you for a little while. You had one of our friends on, I think it was, I don't know, a few months back named Neil Shimby. Oh, yeah. We had him on our podcast. Uh, our podcast a few times to talk about critical theory. So and we've been following you as well. So appreciate the work you're doing there. Um, but yeah, One Voice, we, we started the project. It was actually supposed to come out about two years ago. <laughs> and it's one of those things, you know, when you have a project and you think you know the future of it and God does a zigzag um, and it just doesn't happen like you thought. But in the process, we had recorded the songs and it was about unity mm-hmm. and coming together and, you know, just the church needing to, to raise our like one voice together. 
But what, what we began to realize over those two years was that if people listen to the music, they might interpret it according to the spirit of the age rather than according to the scriptural uh, command to be to, to be one in Christ. And, you know, there's a real tendency right now to just unify and not really care about truth. And so we began uh, later on in the process, it, was, it became a blessing that we had so much, so much longer than we thought to finish it. We began to add in sermons to kind of tie in the understanding that it's not merely just unity in one voice in the kind of sloppy way, but it's, it's unity that's grounded in the truth of the gospel okay. and where it cares about um, what God has to say about life and not just um, a, a kind of a flimsy, you know, let's, let's accept everybody and affirm everything they want to do no matter what. All right, so uh, Nerva, Seth refers there to the fact that this um, this project, One Voice, has spoken word tracks as well as music tracks. Um, talk with us a little bit, uh, you know, I, there's some genius to that, by the way, um, as a listener and as a person who uh, appreciates both the word sung and the word um, proclaimed and spoken. Talk with us maybe uh, about who is featured um, on some of those spoken word tracks. In, um some of our heroes in the faith, actually, they're doing like frontline work. Um, Pastor Rice Brooks, he's the gentleman behind uh, the God is Not Dead movies and books. And we used to actually attend his church in Nashville. So we thought it'd be cool to have a little snippet of his um, preaching that ex- further explains unity in the body. Uh, Dr. Tony Evans is another gentleman whom we love and adore. He actually married us. And I, I recall, I think people came to our wedding just to hear him preach. Also, <laughs> yeah, he, he's another guy who's genius, and we just love his ministry. And he's doing a lot of great work and helping to tie the knots and, and helping the church to understand unity in the body. And Ryan Bomberger, whom he's from the Radiance Foundation. And when I tell you, he and his wife, they are traveling the country and the world I'm talking about um, life having purpose from the womb, and I'm doing a lot on the front lines regarding abortion. So those are just some of the guys we have on our project. So when we talk about one voice, when we talk about um, unity, uh, your marriage actually uh, is a a beautiful representation uh, in part of this conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. For people who, who have heard you but have not seen you, Talk um, talk about the unity that you experience. Um, talk about the response of the culture to you. Um, talk about some of your experiences, um, even in the church. Yeah, so we're, we are an interracial couple. My, my wife is, uh, her family is from Haiti. She was first generation born American. And I was from uh, the good old South, you know. So <laughs> you can imagine the problems that, <laughs> that came about when I... When I uh, brought her home, we actually experienced some stuff within my kind of close, close family um, and even family members who had were in church all their lives, loved the Lord. But, you know, there was this this unbiblical stream running through their hearts mm. and, and kind of tradition for them that they they reacted not not positively and, and kind of negatively based on race. And, you know, so that's kind of why we we had a song on our first project with integrity called brother and we were trying to encourage racial reconciliation just given the history in our nation um and that you know based on the fact that we're all made in god's image and we are one blood and that was what martin luther king you know of course he built his civil rights movement on that theological basis 
And, you know, that that was a door God began to open up for us around the world, really. We've we've sung and, and spoken in South Africa, you know, with their history of apartheid and, and in the South and America. Everywhere we go, it ends up coming up. And we try to we try to bring reconciliation where there has been rifts that were unbiblical. And we, we tell people the only way to move forward, really, in unity across tribal lines, across lines mm-hmm. where historically people haven't gotten along, is by applying the blood and the teachings of Christ to love your enemies, to bless those who persecute you. Um, so that's on the one side. Now, on the other side, we have this challenge of this cultural Marxism thing that's trying to come in and really divide on the basis of so-called unity mm-hmm. and and so-called racial reconciliation. So we're kind of it's it's kind of like we're having to to do battle on both sides with an with an old traditional mentality that's that's laced with racism, and then toward our younger uh, friends who are kind of caught up in the current social justice movement that are also adopting unbiblical Marxist ideas that are antithetical to the gospel. And that, that's that's kind of where we find ourselves mm-hmm. these days, trying to craft a biblical view of reconciliation and justice that doesn't fall prey to either error. So, um, Nerva, I want to give you an opportunity to um, to address that same question, um, because I know that this, uh, this idea that we have lots of conversations in the culture today about human dignity or equality or love or justice um, or racial reconciliation, but we're trying to have those conversations in our culture apart from the root system that would really provide a foundation for that, and that's the Bible. So I want to give you an opportunity to address the same question. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. I think there are so many movements right now, I think, trying to find identity in so many other things, and then it sways with different cultural movements. And so one year it's this, this is our identity, and the next year it's something else. And so our identity, it just has to transcend our, our human um, efforts. And so I believe the Bible and, and what it says about who we are and how we're created in his image is key, and it's the foundation, like you said. But um, it's as we sway further and further away from biblical principles and biblical truths, it's just becoming more of a challenge. And so that's why we who know the truth have to stand in the gap and keep proclaiming it and keep showing people, no, this is why we have intrinsic value. This is who we are. And this is how we stand in unity because we all have the same father. We all have the same creator. And so, yeah, that's the message we try to promote in our music and in our, in it, as we teach and sing. Yeah. And I, and I just add to that too. We recently went through a book by Oz Guinness called last call to Liberty. Mm. Yeah, that's a good. One. And he really talks about the foundations of it, man. If you're going to get away from, um, if you're going to, he calls it a cut root society. We cut the roots of our Christian, Judeo-Christian heritage from our culture, from our country. When you do that, how are you now going to ground freedom and equality? That's it. And so you end up losing those things. You end up redefining them radically. And I think that's the that's the position that we're in now is this um, radical redefinitions and no grounding to give. The, the good part of the what the Founding Fathers laid out for this nation at the beginning. All right. I always love it when my guests refer to other guests. So you are uh, this is I'm talking with Seth and Nerva Reddy. You can find them at Seth and Nerva dot com. The new project that we are talking about today is called One Voice. Um, Seth just made reference there to Oz Guinness and his book Last Call to Liberty. I actually interviewed Oz on air on that subject on the 24th of July back in 2018. So if you want to go to reconnect with Carmen dot com and grab that conversation 
you can. I'm going to continue my conversation with Seth and Nerva. We'll be right back. That is from the song Brother on the Integrity Project by Seth and Nerva. Um, today we're talking about their new project, One Voice. Seth and Nerva Reddy are here, and you can find them online um, and all the you know social medias. They are Seth and Nerva, and you can uh, visit them at their website, which is quite simply Seth and Nerva. And Nerva is N-I-R-V-A, for those of you who are Googling right now, dot com, SethandNerva.com. Um, Okay, so when we talk about um, the efforts that you guys are engaging in to, I don't know, maybe confront, uh, illuminate, engage the issue of biblical illiteracy in the culture today, um, one of the things that my husband Jim and I often say is until the Word of God is restored to its rightful place in the life of the church, the church is not going to be able to take her rightful stand in the life of the culture. You guys have engaged that on many levels. Um, One is through song. One is through incorporating spoken word into this new project, One Voice. But you also are engaging in uh, in a podcast. I'd love for you to share um, Free Mind uh, with our listeners. Yeah, so we actually just started that, I think— so January of 2019, man, we like maybe a, maybe three or four months before that, I had really felt like an urgency in my heart. I, I had a history in apologetics. I'm about halfway through the master's in science and religion program at Biola. And I was a math major in school, so I, I wrestled with doubt, um, you know, just like many Christians do in a post-Christian society, but for many years. And God thankfully used that struggle to to strengthen my confidence, to strengthen my faith. And then I begin, we began to use that to help young adults and young adult ministry. But uh, like I said, before uh, January, I began to feel like, man, I, we need to get out and speak about some of these cultural issues from a biblical perspective. We were noticing that Many of our friends, especially younger friends that, that were getting hit with these, the, just the, the cultural issues of the day, didn't really have a strong enough biblical framework to think through them well. And were being off, many times swept into just the, the spirit of the age. And so we started this podcast called Free Mind. It's freemind.fm. And um, it was about, you know, often people think if you're a free thinker, you're you're a secularist or an atheist. But we said, no, real freedom and thought is going to be grounded in the truth. It's going to be tethered to to God's word and what he says, because if he's the one that really did create reality, then to freely think through that reality, you're going to be following his thoughts after him, like Kepler used to say. And um, so we started this podcast as freedom from the spirit of the age and freedom to take on the mind of Christ. And like you said, uh, uh, New Testament scholar Ben Witherington will often say we live in a Jesus-haunted, biblically illiterate culture where we had these vague ideas of Jesus, but we, he kind of floats in the background and we can, uh, we can morph him into whatever we want him to be. Um, and that's, that sets us up for, for dangerous uh, situations where we begin to interpret him through the lens of our culture rather than vice versa. So we, we, we tried to take like the, I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer that was, he was at least uh, traditionally thought to say, hold a Bible in the one hand and a newspaper in the other and interpret the newspaper in, um, through the biblical lens. And that's what we try to do with this podcast. We have, um, we, we interview people, we've interviewed 
Nancy Piercy, uh, John Stone Street, uh, even one of my favorite heroes, uh, J.P. Moreland. And we we just try to, you know, get them to help us as, as the, connect the church's thinker to the person in the pew, which doesn't always happen. But, um, yeah, we have felt a real burden. We've been putting out, I think we're up to 57 episodes now, and thankfully almost 100,000 downloads. But, but we've felt a real burden to try to help people develop these tools because, like you said, many times in our churches these days, we just aren't given um, the tools to think biblically. Okay, so you guys can go to sethandnerva.com. Uh, up, up there at the top, you see the word free mind. If you click on that, then you can um, then you can start, I don't know, is it following? I don't know, download, however. Yeah. However you want to engage with the podcast, all of the opportunities to do so are there. I decided to subscribe via YouTube because that way I can watch you talk to people in addition to just listening. So there you go. I am uh, I, I am one of those people. Um, <laughs> Seth and Nerva, um, before I let you go today, um, Nerva, I'd love for you to just speak to the women who are listening um, and invite them Invite them into the invite them into the experience of uh, of one of the ways that I really see you. I I see you as a woman who is making the gospel visible and beautiful and substantial. And I think that women need to be invited into that opportunity. Wow, that's that's such a good good statement. You know, I I would just encourage women that um, women have always had a voice of of truth, discernment, of of power. And I, I think it's time for us to just dig into the scriptures. Definitely, I think um, the the this quote comes to mind um, a while back. I remember listening to a preacher say, "The more godly you are, the more beautiful you are, and the longer your beauty lasts." With just kind of all of the the hoopla about the um, the recent uh, Super Bowl performance, I think if you are going to stand in these days you're going to have to stand against the flow and to be whole and to be strong and to be Christ-like means you are just standing in the trenches, but you can't do it without the word of God being richly, richly formed in you. So I say, just continue to stand, continue to just feed on the word daily. Um, I think if you're just kind of going to church every week, you're losing the battle. We have got to re focus. We have got to study the word and we've got to truly embody the Christ likeness that Jesus came to empower us to, to live and have. And um, it's in him we live and move and have our being. So I just, I encourage women. I just applaud all those women who are doing that, like you, Carmen, and many others. Um, let's just stay in the game. Let's just be people who understand the times, see what God is doing and be a part of that. That is Seth and Nerva. You can find them at SethandNerva.com. Uh, the project that we're talking about today specifically is One Voice, but they've also got a Free Mind podcast and lots of other resources. So just go to the website, um, SethandNerva.com. Check it all out. Uh, my beautiful friends, thank you so much for being with us today on Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, we so appreciate you having yes. us on. And I do have to make a correction. I said Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I meant Carl Bart. That's okay. <laughs> It, it's it that's attributed to a lot of different people so we could all advocate for that we could just all say that that quote belongs to all of us let's all be holding the bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other there you go you're off, you're off the hook man blessings absolutely blessings we'll be right back us 
Okay, I have um, I have two easy to uh, easy to implement ideas for you right now. So um, one of them was sparked by having read an article uh, entitled "Hotel Bibles Are Still a Thing, But for Some Brands They're on the Way Out." When's the last time you stayed in a hotel? Did you check to see if there was a Gideon's Bible placed there? Um, if you were in one chain of hotels, there's also now a Book of Mormon. Um, there alongside the Bible. There are others who now offer a Quran instead of a Bible and or a Book of Mormon. Lots and lots of conversations related to this. Um, and so let me just encourage you to do this one thing. Here's, an, here's this little idea. Anytime you're in a hotel and there is a Bible in the drawer, um, snap a picture of it and post it on the Gideon's social media somewhere and tag your location. Um, and the other thing that you can do is if it's a hotel that still provides hotel stationery, Go ahead and write the Gideons a thank you note on the hotel stationery and snap a picture of that and post it on the hotel chain's um, social media. What we're trying to encourage here is encouraging both the Gideons to continue doing what they're doing, but also encourage hotels to continue having a Bible available. And if you're a person for whom a Bible available in, uh, in a hotel has made a real difference, please let the Gideons know that story. So there you go. There is a connection of, from the headlines to the Bible to real life and to something that we can tangibly do. All right, we got to take a quick break. We got a whole nother hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.